Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Um, today is um, June the fourth. I'm mean, no, sorry, June the fourth. Okay. Um, the message I have is called transition, moving between the steps of life. Um, this one, like Pastor Eric said, came about kind of in an interesting way. I met with Pastor Eric last week, Wednesday, and um, I was having trouble with the Book of Zephaniah. It was, it was something I needed out of the Book of Zephaniah, but I just wasn't getting it. And I, I said, "Can we meet?" He said, "Yeah." And he gave me a couple of nuggets, and I was like, "That's it. That's what I needed to finish the message I've been working on for about two months." And um, Saturday night, met with Brother Jacob. He was in the garage um, helping me do some things, and. He had a funny look on his face. I said, what's going on, man? And he was talking about his eventual move to submission ministries. Our brother was up in Washington, D.C. He had some things that was on his mind. So I started just sharing them from just being a brother, just talking with him and sharing with him. And as I was talking, the Holy Spirit started depositing stuff in my mind. And as I shared it with him, he kind of sat there, looked around, and then he eventually started smiling. And he said, I'm going to pray on that. The next morning at our homeless ministry, he was like, man, that helped. Thank you. I prayed about it, and I understand. So I was trying to get back into my message because I promised Pastor Eric I was going to talk about a specific subject, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go back to what I've been studying for two months. So, amen, amen. So transition moving to the steps of life as I'm dealing with that. Um, being in a state of transition is a place of discomfort all by itself. Um, nobody wants to be between two places. You want to be either here or there. Um, in order to appreciate transition, I'm not talking about just moving geographically from one area to another. I'm talking about moving from wisdom to wisdom, knowledge to knowledge, faith to faith, and glory to glory in the Lord. Um, when I speak of transition, I'm speaking about that limbo-like place um, of not being fight where you're going, but not being where you were. Amen? Amen. Um, being, as you will, stuck between the steps of life. Um, and what I mean by that exactly is like, this is okay to be right here. I'm cool with this. I'm even cool here. All these steps are fine. This is even great. But standing here and here is really uncomfortable, and it's so. I'm saying when you're between the steps of life, it's not a good place to be. Um, I found at least three words in Hebrew that um, mean transition. Um, the first one is pronounced. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's ma'avar, and it means to pass through as going through a land or city, geographically moving. The second one is shainui, um, and that means literally to change into something totally different, to transition from one thing to another. And the third one is um, probably the harshest one in the Bible. Um, that word is pronounced shaluf. I, I think I said it correctly. And it means to transition like you're going from life into death or something massive on that scale. So when I'm talking tonight, I'm going to try to use all three of those um, in the examples that um, the Lord has led me to. Um, I'm going to speak from four perspectives. Moses, Paul, Joshua, and Samson, if I have time to do all of them. Um, one is called to minister to the needs of millions of people. The other one is called to lead people into the promises of God and take what God has given the people. Um, the other one is dealing with um, people who receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who receive the word of God, and yet the way they uh, have been accustomed to living lives in their city and in their country is contrary to what God's word is saying. And the final is a young man who came into um, the time of age where he wanted a wife. He wanted found a woman that his parents really wasn't pleased with, and it led him to a whole bunch of drama. And all these different people went through types of transitions in their life. Amen? Amen. Now, but first screen I want you to take turn to is going to be Numbers chapter 11, verse 11. Now, before we get into this, I just want to talk about kind of what God did for the Israelites. He has never in my, I mean, the king has done some awesome things, okay? But for the Israelites, he attacked the enemies with frogs, 
with locusts, with lice, with hail. He made it dark everywhere except for what he was living at. He split the Red Sea. He, I mean, he did things for them that you just haven't seen nowhere else in the Bible. I mean, Samson was off the chain. Um, you know, Lord Jesus walking on the water, that was great. But splitting the Red Sea, that's a whole different ball game. Of, and what gets me about this is how people, after seeing all of that, which we haven't seen, can still go back to a place of doubting and drama and everything else. So when we get to this chapter, this is Moses in his state of transition. He led them out of Egypt into the desert. And he's a place now where he has all these peoples. And a lot of you leaders, whether you're leaders in your home, leaders in your business, or leaders in your ministry, can probably relate to this. You get all these people who are coming to him complaining. So this is his conversation with the Lord. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? This is King James Version. And have I... <laughs> have, I, <laughs> have I not um, found favor in thy sight, thou, that thou layest this burden on all the people um, upon me? Have I conceived all these people? Have I begotten them, that thou shouldst say unto me, carry them into thy bosom, as a nursing father beareth the sucking child unto, his, unto the land which thou sweareth unto their fathers? Whence should I have flesh to give unto all these people? For they weep unto me. Give me flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all of this alone, because it's too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of thy hand. For if I have found favor in thy sight, let me not see my wretchedness. This is Moses telling the Lord, this is too much. I mean, I brought them out of Egypt into the desert, but people complaining they don't want manna, they don't, they, he brought us out here to die, we don't have any water, we just complain and complain and complain and complain. And Moses is like, you know what, enough is enough. Just kill me. Just get me out of this right now because I'm done. <laughs> And he's in a place of transition right now where he is tired of the people that he's been given care of complaining and gnawing at him. The Lord did something pretty awesome in that. Um, he, if you go further down the scriptures, he said, I'm going to meet with you and get 70 elders. And he said, bring them inside and I'm going to do something. And he brought the 70 elders into the tent with um, tabernacle with Moses. And um, he took Moses' spirit and spread it upon the 70 elders. One of the interesting things I found about this, and this is kind of the first step in that transition message, is that Moses had what he needed within him. God didn't do anything new. He didn't create some new miracle. He took what he had put in Moses and gave it to 70 other people. Amen. The Lord that we serve doesn't need to do anything new. When he created us, he built us for the situations we go through. Whether we like to be on this step or that step, he's put in us what we need to move forward. Kind of the reason why this message come about is um, Sister Joellen said something a couple of weeks back and gave a prophecy, and the Lord's had that prophecy still in my mind about there's a paradigm shift in the heavens. And kind of what I've been getting is that we've been fighting a lot of battles up until this point. Some we won, some we lost, but there's a war coming. You can see the war along, coming in, in the politic, political structure. You can see it in the music industry that people, our children are listening to. You can see it in the laws being passed for people to do things for school. And in 10 years from now, the young people here are going to live in a world that's infinitely wicked, more wicked than what we're living in now. That's right. And the thing about it is we need to get to a point where when we're in these states of transition, we know how to do God's will in them as opposed to what Brother Moses did, whining and complaining about it, because he wouldn't have put Moses in it had he not had the ability to withstand it. Amen? Amen. Uh, turn to um, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to go on verse 13. What's interesting about this, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. 
Again, when you are when you are tempted, He will provide a way out so you can endure it. Okay. It doesn't say that God is going to take you out of the temptation. It says He will give you the ability to bear it. Many times, we as brothers and sisters, and as men and women, we get in these places where we're in a situation where it's like just everything is like, Lord, if one more person asks me something or do something, I'm going to just lose it. Okay? <laughs> and the Lord is saying, I again built you to withstand the situation. I look at the Lord in this kind of, because Paul right now, what he was dealing with in this time in Corinthians, well, he's dealing with people who it was common to have orgies. It was common to do whoremongering, debauchery, um, incest was a common place. And, and when these people got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they were faced with, okay, this is the word of God over here, but I've been used to doing this all my life. Transition again. And Paul had to warn them in chapter 13 of 2 Corinthians about if you don't do this, this is what God's going to deal with you. Um, it's all about following the word of God in every situation. And he never gives us anything more than we can handle. In every, never. It's never Amen. done. Amen? Amen. Um, I've known a couple of architects, and this kind of helped me when I'm thinking about the word of God in this situation. Because when Paul said, first thing he said was, he is faithful. God is faithful. I'll say it again, he's faithful. Okay? Um, and he won't give you more than you can bear. The architect that designed this place, he designed these ceilings to withstand this AC unit. The lights. He designed the ceilings to withstand the, you know, the floors. He said, we're going to do a certain type of concrete to put in the floor to support the weight of the people. That's the right. chairs we're sitting on have been designed to support a certain amount of weight. They can't take any more, but they designed a certain, a certain amount of weight. And the thing about it is, if you look at even Job, um, when the sons of God came before God and he said, where have you been? And he says, we've been warming. He told Satan, he said, where have you been? He said, been roaming to and from the earth. God called out Job. He threw him on the bus. He said, have you considered my servant Job? Because as an architect, he already had the specs on how Job was built. He already knew how Job was built. He said, okay, I made him this way, this way, this way, so he can withstand anything Satan throw at him. You know? right. So when you're in situations, we have an architect that's designed you specifically for your situation. Amen? Amen. Okay. I can't do, deal with what he may have given Judah to deal with. I can't, Judah can't do what I do. You know, we should never want what our brothers and sisters have because we don't know what they're going through um, in their personal life and we don't know how God built them for the situation. I think it once said, don't cover your neighbors anything, you know. Be happy with what you have been given because he's built you to withstand what he's put in your life. Amen. Amen. Uh, um, I want to go to Joshua chapter 5. This is another example of transition in the scriptures. It's going to be verses 2 through 4. He said, At this time, <clears throat> the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the Israelites again. Yes. <laughs> um, so Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskin. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. Um, all the people who came out of Egypt who were males and all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Now, in Hebrews, the Lord had made very clear and when he's, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, that they heard the word, they seen what he did, but they didn't have faith in him. And that's why they didn't enter his rest. They didn't enter into the promised land. Okay, so here in Joshua, these are all the young men, another place of transition. Okay, the old men who knew how to fight, the old men who were men of war. All died off. God's promise toward them, they were not going to enter his, his kingdom, um, to the promised land. So we go on down to um, verse 5. It says, For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. 
For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all of the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Until um, the Lord swore they would not uh, inhabit the land, which he swore to their fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua, verse 7, circumcised the sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised. And so it was uh, when he had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their place in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt for you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gigal, which is to this very day. Um, now the children of Israel, in verse 10, camped in Gigal, and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho, and they ate of the produce of the land. And later on that day, um, after Passover, the unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on that day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel um, no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Cana that year. What's interesting about this is I'm, I'm, I see in this part of the sermon that I'm sharing is that um, Joshua was dealing with possessing the promises of God. All of us in here, God has created for purpose, and we have some promises in our life. Many of us will be stuck between the steps of life. We're dealing with drama, and we don't move forward. We just stay in that place. Being in the homeless ministry, I see that every week. We go out town to minister to people, and they've been there for weeks, months, and years. They don't transition out of that place because they don't walk on the promises of God. And what I'm trying to share with you tonight, what God is sharing with me, is being intentional in transitory states. When you're stuck between the steps, what does God want me to do while I'm in this place? Lord Jesus, when he was going to heal the daughter of Jairus, was focused on getting to her daughter and healing her. He was unaware of the woman who was coming to get healed that God had placed in his path. And she was able to get her healing. But the king was not aware of her coming up there. We have to be intentional. With the war that's coming, um, and it's going to come, whether it's 10 years, 20 years, we have to make sure that the youth that are with us are trained up so they can be ready to deal with all states of transition. Amen? Amen. Um, what's interesting about this is these young men first had to go through a painful situation, okay? Um, something that you should have had when you were a child, which would have been nothing, became something great when you're an adult. A lot of times, us people, we have things we hold on from our childhood that are very painful and destructive to us when we become adults. Um, once they healed, they were faced with another issue. And how many times have we been in a situation where we're like, okay, I just completed this war, I'm done with this, and then you're faced with an obstacle like the walls of Jericho, and you're like, oh, come on, I got another whole obstacle to deal with. And Jericho was unlike the rest of the places they built. The city was so massive and so fortified that they had chariots that could run around the top of the city. So this was no ordinary wall. Well, God is showing them right now in this place, number one, trust me, even in your affirmities, even if you just dealt with something painful, continue to trust me in it and watch the walls fall down. It's all about his glory and everything we do, and it's all about being faithful to him um, and following his words to whatever the situation is coming our way. Amen? Amen. Good word. Thank you, sir. Um, also, you notice that um, the blessings that he gave them for the manna coming from heaven, um, it ended once they received the promise. Generally, we are one place away from the promises of God that we just press through. Amen. Amen. I'm not talking prosperity. I'm just talking scripture. Amen. <laughs> I want to go to Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 9. Amen. It says, Now Samson went down to Timah and saw a woman in Timah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up 
he told his father and his mother, saying, I've seen a woman in Tina of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me. But his father and mother did not know that it was the Lord. That's the key point right there, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So Samson went down to Timah with his father and mother and came to Vinyan of Timah. Now to surprise, a young lion came roaring up against him. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he tore the lion apart as he would have tore apart a young goat, um, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father's mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman as she pleased Samson well. And after some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, this woman beads and honey were in the carcass. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some of them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them they had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Now, what's interesting about this chapter is here you have a young man in his prime. Okay, He sees a beautiful woman. She probably was very hot. He's going to a whole other city to get this young lady. Okay, And his father and mom are like, as many parents probably are, like, why do you want that young lady? They're going through a transition state with this child, um, this young man. And he's, saying, he's like, she pleases me. She's who I want. What I find very easy and interesting about this is... Um, Verse 4 said, the father and mother did not know it was of the Lord. They were seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. Um, for at the time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. And kind of what Samson was doing, he had the nerve to want to get a young lady from the other side of the tracks. Kind of akin to maybe a black person in the days of slavery wanting to marry one of the slave owners' daughters. Um, along that line, they had complete dominion of the people of the land of the Philistines. And he was really pushing the envelope, wanting even to talk to this young lady, let alone marry her. Um, but it says in verse 4, his father and mother did not know it was the Lord. How many of you all have been in situations where you said, I know I heard God's voice. I know he put this together. And then it went down, this went south, it went crazy, you know. <laughs> Transition. God ordained this marriage to come together. And he ordained it not to work so he can push Samson into a place where he needed to be to do his will. It's all about our king's will. Nothing less, nothing more. King's will, king's will, king's will. Amen. When you think about it, like God put that marriage together so it could fail. Okay, because had Samson not met this young lady, he would not have. And her get what happened to her? She got killed. He would not have freaked out on the Philistines and been catapulted into his destiny to do what God needed him to do, which was to bring down the reign of the Philistine. So God put together something that was meant to. And we may say, well, that's kind of harsh, but He says all things work for the good for those who love Me and call according to My purpose and My righteousness. So we may look at this one little incident, but God used that to bless his people because these other people were wicked and needed to be destroyed. And by the end of Samson's journey, he had killed over 3,000 in the temple um, because of this incident right here. So God will sometimes put together even relationships that may not work, but it's for his glory. And while we end those situations, whatever they are, we give him glory. We say, Father, and I don't understand what's going on, but I thank you for using me in this, and you move forward. And I'm like, again, as always, I'm learning this. I'm going, he gave this to me Saturday night, and I'm still learning. I'm like, wow, because I'm in a situation in my job that I'm, it's not the desire of my heart. But I realize that while I'm there, um, that he has three people that have been pointed out in my vision that need to come to the kingdom. And um, I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is why I'm, why I'm here. So I'm trying to be intentional at this place that I really dislike. Even to the point where I realized that some, one of the young men, um, 
he listens to me and talks to me when nobody else is around, but I really realize he'll respond better to some of the young godly brothers than he. So I asked Brother Nick and Brother Spencer to come in and speak to him because my goal is to accomplish this mission, this assignment that God has given me at this place so I can move on to the next thing. Being intentional in transition. <laughs> and praise God, Nick and Spencer came and met him, and he's like, them guys are cool. I was like, get with them because I want you to get saved so I can get the next two out of here. And I, I, I can move on. It's time for me to go. I don't want to be in this place no more. So, so understand, with Moses, you may have people that God has put in your in your um surroundings that you have been given care of. You may have hundreds, millions, fives, ten, just your household. And people may be complaining and whining, but God built you. He's an architect. He built you to withstand it. He built you to handle that situation. Nobody else can handle it. There's some people that have to have a child with Down syndrome. There's some people that have to have a mother that's in the hospital with brain damage. There's some people have to have a grandparent that has Alzheimer's. There's some people have to have a baby that is having issues because God designed you to do that because he will use that in the future in some other capacity. And it's all about his glory. Amen. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Verse 1, it says, as God's fellow co-workers, workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. I'm going to go on down to, yeah. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the days of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now it's the time of God's favor. Now it's the day of salvation. Keep going. <clears throat> we put no stumbling blocks in anyone's paths so that our ministry will not be discredited. Number four. Rather, the service of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and in hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors. Known, yet regardless of known, unknown. Dying, yet we live on. Beaten, and yet not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We can stop there. I want to say this. These are all states of transition. Paul was talking about the hardships he was going through. And we will go through many of these things. Um, maybe not to the level he went through, but we will go through transitions. In all of the stuff that Paul went through, he remained faithful to the king, he glorified the king, and he learned to be content in his situation. Amen. This message that I'm hoping can bless some people here tonight because I'm learning about being in a place of transition and being intentional about the will of God while I'm in that place. It may not be comfortable. I may have just come out of a painful situation only to face a huge obstacle like the wall of Jericho, um, but God said, glorify me. He may have put people in the ministry um, that I'm supposed to meet every week in the homeless, and every week you talk to them about coming to the kingdom of God, and then you never see them on the bus. But God said, I built you to withstand that. He may be saying, um, like with Samson, I've put together this situation. You don't have to understand it, but understand that when the situation is over, it's going to bless my people immensely. So I just want to leave you with that. Um, and last thing about in Joel chapter 3, um, verse 10, the second part of that. It says, let the weak... Say I'm strong. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I want to. I, I always finish up with three points or some points. And um, as you've heard me speaking, when you're in this places of the transitional, 
be intentional about your transition. While you're between places, God sometimes reveals what he wants you to do and sometimes he don't. But while you're there in those places between the steps of life, how can I glorify your name? How can I extend your kingdom? How can I bring people out of darkness into light? While we're in these places, that's our job for the king. Number two, God's will is not to please us. It's sent to fulfill us. So you may not understand and you may not like what you're going through, but his will is to make you into that, that the specifications he built you is to deal with the stuff he's going to place he in your life. And number three, God's will is, to send, is sent to move us into the place we need to be to do the things he has ordained for us to do. That's it. Our, his will is for us to do what's in his word. That's all he's concerned about. We can get on board with his program or we can stay between the steps of life. But his will will be done. Amen. So this hopefully the word that will edify um, some people that may be in states of transition. Because I know there's some of us in here have those shadow, I call them shadow wards, where you're dealing with private issues in your life where nobody else knows about them and you're praying about it and you're in a place where you don't know which way to go or what to do. And I've been in that place many times where I didn't tell anybody because I was trying to handle it on my own. God is saying, trust me in it. You may not understand it. Trust me in it. Glorify me in it. And then find my will in your daily struggles. Amen. Amen. I love you all. Y'all enjoy when Curtis shares his heart with you. Amen. Amen. Look, we can all argue about what a scripture means. Nobody can argue about what it means to you. I have always appreciated the take that Curtis has on the word. I want to read to you something out of Deuteronomy. This will be Deuteronomy 8, and we'll start in verse 1. And then we're going to close our service together. Amen. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Now, we all know that it says that. We know that we're supposed to keep the word of God. We know to keep the commands. You might look at your neighbor about now and say, be patient with me, I'm working at it. <laughs> I may be going through something right now, but it's all right, we're going to get to the other side. Church, we know the right things to do, but how is it that you learn to do them? Well, praise God, he kept writing. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Well, we could have told him up front, Lord, we're going to promise to keep your commands, but we're not going to keep them all. We could have told him that. Do you think that caught God by surprise? In the fifth chapter of Deuteronomy, he, he knew our hearts were, were not inclined to follow him. That's why he gave us his commands. So listen to what he does. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna. You mean God lets you get hungry so that he can meet your need? And why does he do that? which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines, and this word discipline is kalmach, it means to train. As a man trains his son, so the Lord your God trains you. I would tell you that these times of transition Curtis is preaching about are our times of training. We've all promised to keep his word. 
But when we learn the necessity of keeping his word is when his word has saved your life, when his word has sustained you, when you have been beat into a greasy little spot on the ground, but his word has breathed life into you again. And you went, oh my God, why did I ever forget your word? His word becomes important to you when you need it to live. So he will put you in a situation where you are desperate for his word, hungry for his word, craving, yearning for his word. And it's okay to just say, I'm hungry, Lord. And I am, I'm hungry. (laughs) But when you get hungry, he lets you feel that. He lets you feel it so that he can feed you. We do not have a sadistic God. We do not have a mean God. We do not have a malevolent God. We have one that if he allows Samson to feel pain in a relationship, I promise you, it was to advance his cause on the earth and teach Samson something. Like, quit chasing skirts, young man. I mean, did it not get him in trouble a little bit later? I mean, one kid lost his eyeballs he could see for the first time, huh? Okay, my point here is God hadn't let anything bad happen to you. He hasn't. Whatever has happened to you is simply to propel you to trust his word. And that's how we make it through these transitions. And we're going to do it together. I'm going to do it with his help. I'm going to do it with the help of the Holy Ghost. And those of us who are pursuing righteousness, we're going to do it together. Amen? I don't know how lost people make it. I I really don't. I wasn't making it very well when I was lost. It's still a struggle when I'm filled with all the power of God. Even being filled with the power of God, I need my brothers and they need me. Can we stand up and join hands?